Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host, TK, a teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, every story is my home. I'm joined by Al and Tony of MCU Rewind to discuss the finale of What If and share some of our best ofs in our season wrap-up. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support the podcast by purchasing There Was an Idea merchandise. The link is in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. Today, I am joined by the hosts of the podcast that rewatches, reviews, and responds to every movie, show, and one-shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's Al and Tony of MCU Rewind, and saying that makes me realize that that is a mouthful, and you guys do it really well every week. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, to be fair, we have that written down in front of us every time, and every time that we try to go off memory, we always mess up. (laughs) (laughs) How are you guys doing? I'm pretty excellent. Yeah, glad to take a little break from getting up early in the mornings to watch Marvel stuff, but still pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of on the the same boat there, having to uh, not avoid Twitter for the entire day to avoid uh, spoilers because I refuse to wake up early. That's <laughs> I don't know if refuse is the right word. Uh, have the inability to is probably more descriptive. <laughs> So we most recently collaborated on your podcast for some Shang-Chi predictions that, as evidenced by the results episode we did, didn't all really pan out. <laughs> but <laughs> predictions episodes are only one of the fun things that you guys do on your show. What else is new over at MCU Rewind? Right now, we're covering uh, the wonderful show, The Inhumans. <laughs> um, we're about halfway through that uh, torturous event, but um, we're looking forward. We're coming up on uh, Thor Ragnarok. And then the Punisher series. So we've got stuff to look forward to. (laughs) Yeah. And I've mentioned this before, but I really admire the comprehensive approach that you guys take to the MCU because there are some of the Marvel series, as you mentioned, like in humans that seem to be a bit of a slog to get through. So how do you approach that when you're covering an installment in the Marvel world that is not necessarily your favorite? What what keeps you going? Uh, For me, it's just looking for the humor in it. In humans in particular, and probably Iron Fist would be the only other one that is, has been difficult for us to get through. And just like, how would we do it better? How would we bring it to the MCU? Or if we were scrapping the whole thing, what would we want to see if they were bringing these properties into the MCU? I think is a way we look for uh, for these harder, tougher shows to get through. Yeah, we we do we do a lot of those comparisons between like, okay, this is this is what it's like in this TV show now compared to the movies how else would it be? How, how else might it, it grow in, in, in that side of things? Um, but, uh, you know, as Tony just said about the looking for the humor, um, that, that is actually surprisingly one thing with the Inhumans that it had very little humor from that, you know, very different from the movies that we're, we're oh so used to. So it sounds like combination of humor and kind of doing a little bit of a backseat directing or producing or writing for for the shows yeah that and a little bit of mystery science uh theater 3000 (laughs) that's excellent well as somebody who hasn't seen the inhumans and unlike some of the other marvel shows which i do intend to go back to at some point inhumans is probably one that realistically speaking i won't really get to anytime soon if at all so knowing that you both are such engaging podcast hosts and that you do find that humor in it even as someone who 
is not interested in watching Inhumans at this point, I'm still interested in listening to you. So you should absolutely uh, keep up the good work. And I got to ask, to what point have you guys planned out at this point? Because I know there for a while you were keeping a calendar of planning years in advance down the line. As of my last update, which was uh, updating to the end of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think we had it planned to 2026. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. That's a lot of content. Yep. Which uh, is not on our website then, I guess, because I did not know that you updated our shared <laughs> notes for that. <laughs> so speaking of some of this content, and personally, you know, I asked that question about how you approach an installment that might not be your favorite I've been open throughout the series run of What If that not every episode has really grabbed me in an equal way and that overall the series has not necessarily um, kept me as engaged or as interested as many of the other installments of the MCU and certainly not as much as the other Disney Plus series. That being said, as we kind of rounded the end of season one of What If, I found myself getting more into it. And I'm curious for you guys going into this series, you know, one of the things that I've mentioned is that maybe I was a little bit cynical or skeptical even going into it. And maybe that was something that was harder for me to break and just kind of sit back and enjoy some of it. But what were you expecting going into the series of What If? And to what extent were you familiar with the What If comics? Um, yeah, so I, I had read, honestly, like as far as the, the What If comics, I had only ever read one of them. Uh, which was the Punisher kills the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. And so it was uh, very specific in the like, well, what if this world ending essentially event kind of happened? Um, but as far as the the show goes, you know, I, I really liked the, the premise that it was just one change. What if this one specific thing was different? And I like I I really loved it after seeing the first episode with um with Sharon Carter becoming Captain Carter, uh, and then pretty much right after that, some things started to it, it to get to the point where you kind of had to make a couple of other assumptions. It's not like oh yeah hey this one thing right. uh, changed. And then these other things are very logical. This 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 makes sense that it's it's it makes sense that this happened. Um, some of the later ones were much more like yeah, so so this happened. We're not going to show you because we're actually going to show you a, the story that takes place many years later, and uh, you kind of just have to assume a lot of things, I guess. Which which we can, but. I, I feel like that kind of took us out of it, um, but it does make sense. The fact that it's a half hour show, so they can't right. show us everything. Uh, Party Thor was like the big one for me, which I think Tony, you and I really disagree on. Mm -hmm. It's very uh, polarizing that episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite like sub, sub genres of science fiction is uh, like alternate history where mm -hmm. they go in the past and nothing, um, scientific or fantasy really happens usually but it's like what if one thing changed like the most famous ones is what if south won the civil war or what if um uh hitler or the nazis won world war ii those are the big mm -hmm. ones but there's plenty of others and i like seeing the chain of events that happens and we get that in this which i really enjoyed for the most part what if one little change happened and we get the uh, Domino's following, especially I think of the Star-Lord T'Challa episode, like one little mistake happens and the entire universe is different all the way up to Thanos becoming a good guy. 
that being said, like before this show coming out, I was I was skeptical too. Um, Al and I even had conversations about are we even going to cover this in 2027? Yeah. Is it even like part of canon if it's a different timeline? Obviously now knowing what happened in Loki and what's probably going to happen in uh, Spider-Man uh, 3 and Doctor Strange 2. Yeah, this is most likely a, going to be a big part of the MCU. So I'm glad it it like it has stakes that I didn't think it was going to have. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that especially as the season came to a close with episodes eight and nine, mm-hmm. I was able to understand and appreciate a little bit more those stakes because for most of the rest of the run of the show, and even still now to a certain extent, I found myself wondering, would this have been better off if these were detached one-off episodes, like the single comments, where you mm-hmm. just have these one-off stories, and throughout this series, throughout the season, it seemed like some of the stories felt very one-off, but then at the same time, that w- the Watcher was there connecting all of them, and you kind of knew that if this was going to have a larger impact on the MCU moving forward, it was also going to have to somehow interconnect. So while ultimately part of me fi- finds myself wondering what if they had just done these as mm-hmm. single one-offs and would that have been somehow more enjoyable it, i'm also understanding how it plays a role in the mcu more because it did come together in the end yeah mm-hmm. how did you guys find the animated format for this show i um am not a big fan of it this uh 3D models cell shaded like 2D. I've seen it in a few other shows such as uh, Dragon Prince and uh, Star Wars Resistance, mm-hmm. and it's always rubbed me the wrong way. That that said, I I kind of got over it. <laughs> like it wasn't didn't make it impossible to watch. <laughs> uh, I was fine with it. You know the the thing about animation is that it kind of does make some of the action a little bit easier to to make. Right? It's um, I mean, you're you're either going to have like everything in the scene except for one person being completely CGI'd or you're just going to draw it out. And so um, I, I think that that didn't really make any change uh, for me uh, getting getting the voices. I think for a lot of the, the characters, a lot of reoccurring uh, characters was probably what made it a lot easier for me to swallow. Mm. Um, <laughs> I still think about uh, you know that I I really liked the Batman animated series from the nineties, yeah. and then uh, I completely forgot the uh, the voice actor's name. Um, I used to know it something with a K. Kevin but, Conroy. Uh, yes, him. Mm-hmm. Is is his last name with a K or a C? With a C. <laughs> ah, all right. <laughs> um, anyway, so like, and he did Batman in in a couple of other things too for a while, and then and then it changed, and then now for some reason, anytime I see a, a cartoon with with Batman, I just think. Yeah, it just feels off, feels wrong. Uh, but the 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 voice actors they got for some of the recurring characters that they didn't get the original actors for, um, they I thought that they still did a pretty good job, uh, and so it still just kind of helped ground it. And so I, I think really the the voices were the the big parts for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. And while I'm not going to go so far as to say that the animation was a barrier to entry for me on the show, because obviously as a huge MCU fan. I wanted to watch these stories, but I struggled a little bit with the animation at first. However, again, as you said, I think I kind of got used to it as the time went by and really appreciated some of the 
visuals here. Like some of the single shots and some of the action truly mm-hmm. looked stunning in some of these episodes. So that made up for some of the moments where maybe, you know, the animation of a mouth moving or something like that felt a little bit uncanny. Yeah, I think having the character moments being a little wonky is an okay trade-off to ha- being able to see uh, Thor fight Captain Marvel, which if we were going to do that for a 20-minute episode would have been cost-prohibitive in live action. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Any other likes, dislikes, or surprises that came out of What If for you? Um, I was... Uh, surprised how much i liked uh the watcher as a character because mm. i thought he was just going to be a narrator but as he became more involved in the story in the latter third of the um the series i was like wow this guy has an actual personality i thought he was just going to be a stoic you know narrator the whole time yeah that that part was was interesting like i i i kind of kept going back and forth like okay so i i know a little in the comics that he does stuff is he going to here do we have to wait until season two i don't know but Mm -hmm. um yeah i was kind of glad that that uh you know once we got to the end all right he's he's doing stuff so (laughs) i guess now i kind of expect more of that for season two i don't know we'll see yeah yeah i agree that the through line of the watcher was the thing that kept me most intrigued in a larger, maybe more meta kind of sense as the series went on. Obviously, the stories themselves were compelling enough for me to want to tune in each week, even though some didn't land as well for me as others. But The Watcher is really who I was watching to sort of look to to see, okay, what are the implications of this show going to be on phase four of the MCU? Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this on one of my other episodes, but I kind of appreciate it too how he gave the thesis statement of each episode. (laughs) And I think in episode nine really gives the thesis statement for what the show was all about. And, you know, as somebody who's always looking for the themes and the big ideas of these installments in the MCU, this was one that uh, I didn't feel the need to kind of get into that level of analysis as much because I sort of felt like, all right, well, the watcher is telling us that this is what the show is about. But mm-hmm. what is intriguing to me about what if in that thematic way is this question about what makes us who we are. And it's a question that came up in Loki as well, right? In different contexts, what are the qualities about a person that do persist, that do shine in these different worlds? And so I definitely found that intriguing. And that was for me, maybe from start to finish of the series, maybe the, the biggest surprise to me is that I do think that there is consistent messaging in what if in a thematic sort of way that fits in with the rest of what I'm seeing in, in phase four. Yeah, I was going to say uh, the same thing, actually, that this idea of what makes us who we are is seems to be the theme of phase four so far. Yeah. Uh, whether Black Widow and Shang-Chi's is uh, their family or... Uh, how you were raised, as we see w- between Loki and Sylvie, or um, like your cultural background with Bucky versus uh, Falcon versus um, uh, the Flag Smashers. Mm. So I find that really interesting that we're seeing that already. It, I say early in the phase four, but we've had so much content already in phase four in this year. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, we sure have. And I am also curious to hear because. The three of us had a chance to talk about Shang-Chi, but we haven't necessarily Mm -hmm. talked about those other 
those other installments in phase four. We did do an episode on WandaVision together back in, uh, I believe it's episode 3.2 of my podcast. But mm-hmm. it's felt like quite some time already since WandaVision. So just quickly for both of you, what's been your your favorite thing that you've seen in phase four so far? Oh, I've been kind of dreading this question because I've been <laughs> batting it around in my head since you sent us this outline. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going with Shang-Chi. I think that actually might have broken into my top five favorite Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. It's definitely... Well, I, well, I'm not going to say it's the one I've seen the most because I think I've gone back and watched WandaVision a couple times because my wife loves WandaVision as well. She's not a huge Marvel fan in general. But um, yeah, it's just one that... I think I connected to the quickest out of all of them. So I think that's my favorite so far. It's a great pick. And a lot of people I've spoken to that movie is solidly in their top five now. (laughs) Um, So I, I am not considering Shang-Chi only because I've only seen it the one time so far. I just haven't um, had the time to go see it in a theater. And at Mm -hmm. this point, I'm just going to wait for it to be on Disney plus again so I can avoid a theater. But um, I, so maybe after I see it a second and third time, that might change. But uh, mm-hmm. right now, I would say that my answer is probably Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, it was exactly the sort of thing that we were expecting. Um, you know, it was very, very different from WandaVision. Um, but it was, you know, hey, here are some characters. Here's more storyline for uh, for this stuff with these with these characters that you've you've already known for a while, uh, but they've kind of always been on the on the side. So here's their moments of uh, of being the main characters for for something. Um, and there's always been, I mean, they've always been lovable characters, honestly, right? Um, so uh, yeah, it's I I think it's it's that. And, and plus, you know, now you see, uh, especially the way that it, it ended with uh, the Falcon becoming mm-hmm. uh, the new Cap. So. Yeah, it's like I'm, a nice door opening for a character. Definitely. And I'm very much looking forward to rewatching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. As we're approaching the last couple months of the year, I want to go through and rewatch everything in phase four. Again, uh, in anticipation of a, a couple of podcast episodes that I, I might be a part of coming up. And with WandaVision, I've gone back and watched the entire series a couple of times. With Falcon, I watched each episode two, maybe even three times uh, in the week that it aired while I was doing the podcast, but I haven't revisited since. And I'm really looking forward to revisiting it again. It's one of the ones that while it was airing, I didn't feel like I had the level of love for it that I did for WandaVision. But it's a show I think I find myself thinking about a lot and thinking about Sam and Bucky a lot. And I'm looking forward to going back to it and and watching it straight through and seeing how that might uh, change my perspective on it a little bit. So back to what if we are going to spend a few minutes to just talk about the finale. What if what if the watcher broke his oath? And then after that, we are going to do our season wrap up. And this is something that I have not done before, but I'm excited to do it with you guys today with essentially going through and sharing our picks for some best of uh, for the series for the season as a whole. So episode nine, it aired about a week and a half ago at the time of this recording. What if the Watcher broke his oath? It included the assembling of what we now know are called the Guardians of the Multiverse and not the If-Vengers, as my guest Michael Tanner had suggested. I still think If-Vengers is a great name. 
But it also included the final showdown with Ultron as well. Overall, what did you guys think of the finale? I really liked it. Uh, I liked um, them showing that it's, uh, you know, in in a sense, everything is still kind of connected in a way, at least in the the guise that it's possible to go from one dimension to another with some sort of uh, magic or technology, whatever uh, whichever phrase you want to go with. Um, so it, it was, it was kind of nice to, to see that, you know, that, um, thing kind of started happening, um, or maybe will happen again in a future, something or other in the MCU. So I, I, I really liked that it was some sense of, Hey, all this stuff that you've been saying, okay, now they're linked together. There's, and there's a reason for it too. So I, I, I liked that it, it led to something in the end. Yeah. Um, I also uh, liked that it kind of hit, I mean, Obviously, the multiverse is infinite, but the fact that they pulled um, Gamora from an episode we haven't seen yet, yeah. uh, that was, um, it was supposed to be an episode that was dropped in season one because of uh, uh, pandemic-related uh, shortages. They pushed it to season two, but it feels uh, a lot bigger that like we don't know this character's story, so I actually really like that, even though I don't think she had much to do, but yeah, I... I kind of wrestle with this by myself. Would I have been happier if it were individual stories and no connections or am I more satisfied with this team up? And I'm going to go on with, I'm actually probably more satisfied with this team up. Uh, like I said earlier, it feels more consequential, but also the, one of my favorite things about the MCU at large is seeing characters who shouldn't really be in the same universe, like tonally work together. Yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely what we got with our. Um, I'm going to keep going with the if Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a great term. Um, yeah, I I agree. It was very satisfying to see the connections made in this episode. Even if, like you're saying, Tony, overall, I've wondered, hmm, what would it have been like to have the the one shots? But I was really invested in this episode. I loved episode eight. So I was in a really mm-hmm. positive space going into the finale. And I really like that the assembling itself took place fairly quickly. It was just like, you've been chosen, you've been chosen, you've been chosen. Huge battle. And then there was kind of some emotional beats on either end. So what I wasn't expecting from this episode was it for it to open up in the world of Winter Soldier. And I loved that. So immediately I was really hooked by that because... Winter Soldier is one of my favorite movies. I mm. love Natasha. So to see Natasha having the banter with Peggy Carter in the same way that she had the banter with Steve over, you know, trying to encourage them to to get a date or whatever it was. And then to see Peggy with uh, Batroc on the Lemurian star. I was all about that. And as I said, not really what I was expecting for the opening of the episode, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. One of my complaints for the series before this episode was that ev- almost every episode felt like, hey, this could have been have a sequel, and mm. it looks like we're not getting a sequel. This uh, episode nine, at least for a few seconds, and for every episode, we get a semi sequel to every episode. Yeah, yeah, we know where these characters at least ended up in the immediate aftermath of their episode, which kind of satiated my hunger for that for a little while. We'll see next season how disappointed I am if they don't revisit some of these worlds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the other thing I liked about the, the opening scene and seeing Peggy Carter and Natasha was 
one of the things that has been on my mind a lot lately from some of the conversations I've had with guests about the friendships in the MCU and the found family aspect of the MCU. And at the end of episode nine, the watcher makes the comment about like finding that place where you belong. And to see that Natasha has this a similar relationship to Peggy Carter in this universe as she did with Steve Rogers in mm-hmm. the main MCU timeline. I thought that was really uh, sweet to see. And I really liked seeing their friendship in here. Um, so I think that since the Peggy is a bolder personality than Steve, uh, more similar to Natasha, uh, Peggy is probably much more open to Natasha's goading. She'll, mm. um, she'll joke back. Um, I think Natasha at this point in their relationship uh, doesn't find I think she might have found Steve to be like a little breakable if you understand what mm. I mean. like a little, maybe a little more sensitive to uh, he would have closed off towards her if she were more aggressive in her joking where Peggy was wouldn't have been so I think their relationship is stronger than Steve's and uh, Natasha's ever was that's a great point I think that really tracks that's a great point uh, unfortunately, I'd love to see more of them, too. <laughs> so when the Watcher assembles the Guardians of the Multiverse, we already mentioned that that we liked how it brought the team together and it kind of satisfied that sense of each of the previous episodes kind of having that cliffhanger. So now we're back with T'Challa and we're seeing what he's up to and we're back with mm-hmm. Killmonger and we're seeing what's going on in that world and we're <laughs> we're seeing Party Thor and, and what, what he's doing. And in that moment that the Watcher comes to recruit them but what did you think about the lineup itself were there any characters from any of the previous episodes that you were surprised were not part of this team in episode nine or were there some that you who were on the team that you were kind of surprised were included at first i was uh surprised that they include killmonger yeah obviously um it obviously it turned out well and actually that's one of my favorite parts that the watcher with a plan for Killmonger to kind of betray them. Yeah, I think I don't know if he would have been a good member of the team, but I would have loved to see the head of Scott Lang with uh the cloak of levitation be on the team just for the levity of it. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. I definitely am bummed that we only got to see Scott Lang's head once. Yeah, it, it it's one of those things, right? Like um you know, comparing this to Avengers Infinity War when Doctor Strange pulls out the the time stone and he looks at, I already forgot the number, 16 million, some odd, 14 million, however 14, many uh, think, possible yeah. futures, right? 14, okay. <laughs> I'm bad with numbers. So um, I, I imagine that's probably a similar thing that the Watcher did, right? So he, he looked around at the limitless universes and said, okay, this one's probably a good, route let's go with these characters um and it actually happens to work out because i already showed the audience these characters too so win-win <laughs> so, uh, but as far as like what other characters would have been cool um god i i i don't know from a from like a, a storyline perspective like who would have worked out better right like whenever you have limitless universes yeah. you know my first thought is well why not have 10 million um Steve Rogers. You know, yeah, or <laughs> That's I was going to go with, <laughs> I was thinking more like Captain Marvel because uh, yeah. of how, because of her power level. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe uh, some uh, uh, Doctor Stranges or multiple Stranges, right, for multiple magic users too. Um, 
but at least, you know, they, they gave it a storyline reason at the end of why this was the team. So once that happens, like, all right, cool. I'll stop thinking. Uh, I guess, you know, what you're doing better than me. I was actually wondering like before the last episode, like I knew he, he was going to recruit a team the way they left it with Dr. Strange in episode eight. I was like hoping they would recruit like worthy Steve Rogers from the end of Endgame or something like that. Like someone from the main timeline, at least. I thought that would have been interesting. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I was I was curious about that too, that going into the final episode, like, okay, is the team of Avengers going to be made up of only characters that we've seen already so far? in the series in the in the season and certainly there are benefits to that as you guys were saying right we kind of already had a chance to connect with them and we kind of get to see this moment mm-hmm. that they're taken out of their world um or is it going to also include characters we haven't seen before we did get that with Gamora as you said that was kind of an accident because we were supposed to have gotten the Gamora Thanos Slayer episode with Tony Stark in the Hulkbuster-esque suit and I'm still curious to see that episode even though yeah. I I do think that it'll be cool if they include it in season two or maybe even before then if they get a chance to release it because even though I guess we've sort of seen already where she goes I think it'll be cool to see um but yeah I kind of had that question too I'm like well I still think it was effective the bringing in that Gamora and it didn't make me feel like oh who is this like I don't care about her because we haven't seen her yet it was more just kind of like all right cool another version of Gamora I'll buy it want to hear more about that that's cool I mean I guess, as you were saying, Al, like from a storytelling perspective, they had everybody on the team who exactly needed to be there and that we can drive ourselves crazy by thinking about like a capability perspective, like as to who would have been more effective as a fighter on the team. Because uh, as it stands, seems like Doctor Strange really, you know, needed to use that, those protection spells, um, you know, in order mm-hmm. to to get them to a place where where they could face off against Ultron. And, and uh, it was awesome seeing them seeing them fight. So, yeah, what were some of the other standout moments from the episode for you guys that you really liked? Um, I enjoyed, uh, like, I think the only laugh out loud moment of this episode was Thor yelling Viva Las Vegas <laughs> while attacking Ultron. Yes. <laughs> uh, I really liked the uh, the the part where uh, Doctor Strange just eats the giant planet-destroying explosion, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and Ultron's reaction. No. <laughs> what was that? And uh, their planning montage was very reminiscent of Endgame's uh, planning montage. And I kind of enjoyed that, too, seeing the characters bounce off each other. Yeah, I liked seeing the mm-hmm. the uh, setting of the pub. <laughs> Everybody, mm-hmm. like, having a drink and making a toast. And some humor from Thor when he asks, you know, can you repeat that for the people who didn't understand it? And not me. But <laughs> I know that was pretty funny. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing in, in the action scene, uh, seeing the two shields, right? Oh, yeah. Post-apocalyptic Natasha with the Red Guardian shield and Peggy Carter with the cap shield. And some of the fighting looks cool. And Doctor Strange with the tentacle monster and seeing all the zombies come out of the portal. There were some very cool, very cool visuals. One piece of cinematography I really liked was when we get that shot of just focusing on the Soul Stone and everyone kicking it around in the battle happening out of focus. Um, mm-hmm kind of places us like what's really important all these fights don't matter all that matters is who gets that stone Mm. i like that yeah that was really cool too yeah one of you mentioned before too like in assembling the team just i had a head scratching moment when i saw the watcher recruiting killmonger when when they went into Mm -hmm. that world i thought perhaps the watcher was gonna recruit pepper Potts and or shuri 
And then when it was Killmonger, I was like, huh. And then, of course, Killmonger, you know, talk about showing the qualities that persist despite the context, right? We we see who Killmonger is. We've seen it repeatedly, right? He is is going to look out for himself. He's going to betray. He's going to take these actions. And then at first, like my first watch of the episode, I totally, I didn't really fully understand. I was like, what? Of course Killmonger is doing this. What, why was he on this team? And of course, uh, then afterward, it is clear that the Watcher foresaw that and that was all all part of the plan. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to see him fighting alongside T'Challa in this in this episode. Yeah, and there are, I was confused about something. Is like how does T'Challa know who Killmonger is? Yeah, like he calls him cousin. It's like, did they have a whole conversation about? Yeah, I murdered you in this dimension, and then Watcher's like, yeah, and he tried to kill you in the other dimension and it didn't work out. I think that'd be an awkward conversation to have. So I don't know how that even came <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this kind of goes back to my little complaint of like well th- there are some things about the characters that we kind of just have to assume maybe or not assume because i mean maybe we'll never get an answer for it but you know in in star lord t'challa's world uh he was gone for so long so maybe in that s- side that killmonger just kind of showed up and he was less murdery and and he's just kind of around yeah. or or the opposite. I don't uh, I, yeah. Yeah, one of those I things you kind of just gotta gotta go with <laughs> to mm-hmm. your point. I mean, or maybe his dad, um, like with the loss of his son, he got very sad and thought, Hey, you know what? I remember a nephew. Maybe uh-huh. maybe I should kind of extend and, and invite him here. Um so that could have been like a character moment for him. Yeah, um, I'm thinking about it now. Um, I, so what I did over the last couple of days was to prepare for this. I actually rewatched the entire series, which I only watched each episode once. So now I'm thinking about it more deeply than I had before. Um, <laughs> Killmonger, not yeah, Killmonger's dad was killed in 1988, and that's the same time that T'Challa disappeared. Mm. So it's possible that he never T'Chaka never went to America because he was too concerned finding his son. Hence, Kilmonger's dad never murdered and possibly even in that universe brought to Wakanda and more well-adjusted. Great Mm -hmm. point. Great eye for detail there. That rewatch paid off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How how was it rewatching the series like beginning to end? I enjoyed it more. um, Even the episodes. There are two episodes in particular I did not enjoy. Um, One is going to be surprising. Uh, I was not a fan of what if Earth lost its uh, mightiest heroes. Okay. I just like, except for the end, I just, I wasn't feeling that one. And then me personally, this is a personal problem I have. I am so burnt out of zomb- on zombie content in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so the, what if zombies? Uh, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the first time I saw it just because I was tired of zombies. I knowing what's going to happen. Um, I was able to enjoy the character beats uh, more. Yeah, I overall I enjoyed it more because I knew it would pay off. Yeah, like I knew where it was going compared compared to oh, I'm going to watch it because it's MCU. I'm going to enjoy MCU, but if I like that feeling, if you don't watch it again, it doesn't matter. Kind of unfortunately, how I feel like watching Inhumans. Sure. That we were talking about earlier. If I never watch <laughs> it again, which I probably won't. <laughs> um, it's not going to like impact my enjoyment of the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sure. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I haven't had the opportunity to watch, you know, again, each week I watched 
the episodes mm-hmm. of What If. Sometimes I watched them twice. And then as I was doing like podcast episodes that kind of chunked them, I would rewatch the chunks. So I rewatched one, two, three, and then I rewatched four, five, and then six, seven, eight. Um, and then rewatch nine, but I haven't done like a full one through nine rewatch yet. So I'm looking forward to doing that too. And sort of seeing how that, how that affects it. Did you, how did you watch it? Al? just once each week. Um, so I, the first handful I watched, uh, uh, twice in the week, um, because they came out on, on Wednesdays, uh, and my wife having a weird work schedule, we would watch them together also on the weekend. So I'd watch it Wednesday and then together we'd, we'd watch it then. Um, and then we got busy on weekends. So, uh, we, we did it. So then I, I kind of only watched like basically the second half of the season, uh, each episode once, um, except that those last two, I watched them each uh, again, just cause I, I like the lead up so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, uh, do this as podcasters now, but the first time I see something, I'm more like trying to analyze it, looking for clues, looking for the wider MCU. And then I have to watch it second or third time to actually enjoy it as a story more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Same here. I, I try to do the opposite, like or the inverse of that. So I try like, okay, first time I'm going to just try to put my meta thinking or my podcaster thinking off and just kind of enjoy this for what it is. And then a second or third time is where I'll try to bring in the analysis. But sometimes it's hard because sometimes you can't really turn it off. And I find myself sometimes even on a first watch, like wanting to make make notes of something. Mm-hmm. And then I try to tell myself, no, 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 don't get into that yet. Um, that's next time. But it it is hard to turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony, you mentioned not particularly caring for episode three. What if Earth lost its mightiest heroes? I really liked that episode and I did mm-hmm. like seeing it come back in episode nine. But I have to ask, like, so in that moment when Natasha is telling the watcher that she doesn't want to go back to the world where, or I guess stay in the world mm-hmm. where everyone is gone, and he sends her to a battle where you see Captain America and you see Captain Marvel flying around in animation, I really had a moment where. I thought that maybe this was going to be Natasha from this universe being sent into the main MCU timeline. Did that cross your minds at all? No, although I would be really excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, More of like my knowledge of the outside universe. This was, (laughs) if I remember correctly, this was like when uh, Scarlett Johansson was still having... uh, the lawsuit over Black Widow. Yeah, this aired right like, before like we found out that that had settled. If yeah, I remember correctly, so, so I was like, yeah, I was like, no way. I would love it. I as much like I want Black Widow back in. Yeah. Um, I think this opens up the door for stuff like that. Like yeah. we can get Tony Stark in or Robert Downey Jr. as a version of Tony Stark, but I feel like they would wait a couple years for us to really start missing them before they reintroduce them back in. Yeah, it was this moment where I, you know, just in a, like, I guess in a wishful thinking sort of way before I realized, like, okay, e- even with 
the settlement of this lawsuit and everything, it's unlikely that Scarlett Johansson would be back so soon. It's mm-hmm. unlikely that Tony Stark, uh, Robert Downey Jr. would be back in live action so soon. Um, but that being said, I, I kind of had that moment where I was like, oh, I was like, oh my gosh, are we going to see like her in animated in the end game battle? And like, you know, he made me, he said those words about the world that lost its widow. I was like, oh man. Yeah. And then of course, seeing that it was the episode three world, it was still satisfying to me. I, I really liked that. And I also really liked that <laughs> she just goes, it's a mess. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, the, again, kind of connecting to that theme of of purpose that's been going through all of phase four so far and her finding, you know, she is a fighter and she wants to be living in a world where she can fight the good fight alongside these other heroes and do the right thing. And uh, so I, I thought that was very sweet and, and I liked the emotional beat of that. Yeah, I I like those 30 seconds of that world more than I like most of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so what did you guys think of the credit scene? Uh, gives me hope that we're going to see that universe again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also. Yeah, I, I had the same exact same thought. <laughs> yeah. Also, Winter Soldier Skinny Steve is going to be fun. <laughs> right? Okay. All right. That's how I was sort of taking it too. that. Yeah. Inside that Hydra Stomper, it's not going to quite be Steve as we last saw Steve in the Captain Carter universe. I, mm-hmm. I'm definitely thinking that uh, that there's going to be something up with Steve and uh, very much looking forward to hopefully seeing seeing where that goes. Yeah, I'm wondering if we see that like Captain Carter's universe is she's pretty much living Steve's life. Like the same uh, events are happening. Like we're assuming Lemurian Star. She got sent to the, the Command Day. Have the and she knows uh, Natasha. Mm-hmm. Has she fought with the Avengers? Is are we would we get a Hydra Stomper versus Iron Man fight? Ooh. Like I'm not sure, but cool uh, that's to something about. to think about. What yeah. if? Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And the th- those kinds of things are a lot easier to do in the animation, at least, right? Because you're not uh, paying as much <laughs> for the uh, for the well everything, but also yeah. the, the the actors showing up. Mm-hmm. Of course. Any last thoughts on episode nine? It makes me excited for next season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping more of that happens next season. More uh, cross dimension. Uh, I guess, I mean, we'll find out really, but uh, the fact that it happened once, I mean, now I feel like it's going to happen all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the implications of that Black Widow moment uh, in which the Watcher sends her to a different universe. Yeah. It's those, those are big implications and makes me a little nervous in some ways too. Right. Like this idea of, of universe hopping, there's a precedent for it now. A very unique situation, right? We saw that the Watcher wasn't going to allow Peggy Carter to universe hop just so that, you know, she could live out her happy ending with Steve, but he did allow it in this instance. So it's definitely something that raises some questions how much we might see this again in the future and future seasons of what if, or if this idea of going across a, a universe is going to come into live action. So we will have to wait and see. But in the meantime, thinking about season one of what if, I want to go through and essentially choose some superlatives for for this season and we'll start with best character 
We'll start with Al and then go to Tony and then go to me. So Al, who was your favorite standout character from season one of What If? <laughs> so the character, like my my absolute favorite character was Star-Lord T'Challa, just because mm-hmm. he made the uni- like the entire universe better, like all, all <laughs> around, like in, in any way that you choose to measure it. It, it seemed to be better. Um, I guess the uh, the the thing that was a little bit weird for me to realize that was I really didn't care for that episode as a whole, uh, but just like the character itself and, and everything he did to, to change things. Uh, I, I like that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is almost a polar opposite of Al's. Uh, <laughs> mine is a strange Supreme because he made the world a lot worse. Um, also <laughs> one of my favorite character arcs uh, or find interesting is the fall of a hero. Um, Anakin Skywalker, uh, if you read like the real nerdy in between stuff of Lord of the Rings, the fall of Saruman, um, stuff like that. I like, he's obviously the hero of his own story. He's the hero of the episode, but he's also, he's going down the dark path. And I really enjoyed that. And then how he kind of, he redeemed himself at the end of the series, which I actually didn't expect watching uh, episode four for the first time. Um, yeah, he just, it's so, so interesting seeing that side of Doctor Strange, his recklessness that we saw in his first movie, but we didn't get in the other two Avengers movies. Mm. And I feel like we're going to get back in uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting thinking about Doctor Strange as we saw him in What If moving into Spider-Man No Way Home. And I know that there's been a lot of questioning of who is that we're seeing in the trailer for Spider-Man? Is that the real Mm -hmm. Doctor Strange or is there something going on with him? And I'm curious if we're going to see Strange Supreme in a live action form at some point. Personally, I hope it's the real Doctor Strange because after the Mysterio fake out for um, people who didn't know Mysterio was a villain... Yeah. I think that would be too much for two Spider-Man movies in a row. And on to top another of that, fake out villain. the Nick Fury thing too, right? Like going all through yeah. Far From Home and then finding out, nope, it wasn't Nick Fury. Yeah, it, it could be a little bit too much of that. Fool me once, fool me twice, et cetera, and so on, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So for I my agree. standout character, I like how you guys went with the extremes of makes the world better, makes the world worse. I'm just going to stick with post-apocalyptic Natasha Romanoff. She is wonderful. I love Natasha in any universe. And I, mm-hmm. I really loved seeing her in episode eight, seeing the humanity that she brought and uh, that moment between her and the Watcher at the end of episode nine. And then and her going on to fight in another universe. Uh, we kind of already spoke about the implications of that. But I thought that that was, uh, there was some wonderful... Um, there were just some wonderful emotional moments with her. So I'm going to choose her as my favorite. Yeah. And I like how it highlights her resilience because I mean, out of the two hu- regular humans in the original Avengers, um, Hawkeye quit uh, twice, like once to be with his family and once just completely giving up hope after the snap. Mm. Um, but she's always the one to hold the team together um either after the snap uh went after civil war she it looks like from the final scene she's the one to um probably even convince steve to break them out because she knows she's gonna have to break out her friends right um yeah i feel like and then she's 
literally, as far as we know, the last person on Earth, but she's still fighting, planning to fight Ultron. And that's pretty incredible for her. Absolutely. And I love that that resilience is something that we see from her in any universe that she's in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Always the female characters, too. That, that always pops up. That's a... Princess Leia also, mm. same thing. Um, and Ahsoka, if you want another character from Star Wars. Same thing. Yeah. I always do. Very interesting. <laughs> very much looking forward to the, the uh, upcoming Ahsoka series that will be oh, yeah. coming out some mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Next category is best voice performance from an original actor returning to the role. We'll start again with you, Al. <laughs> uh oh, this this was a hard one to think of um just because because like i said you know the 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 voice acting is the the kind of thing that really grounded it for me to like really link this to the the characters that existed before mm-hmm. um but i just i really liked seeing howard the duck again and so <laughs> seth green coming back <laughs> for those two episodes i thought yeah. it was a lot of fun <laughs> love seth green uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I was, everyone is praising uh, his posthumous performance, uh, Chadwick Boseman's performance. And I was like, mm-hmm. during my rewatch, I was like, Chadwick Boseman, everyone's talking about him. I'm going to watch for another actor mm-hmm. who does as well or better. And I literally couldn't. I mean, uh, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter was great. She was probably the only competition in my mind, but uh, Chadwick Boseman's performance across all his multitude of versions that we see him, yeah. not just as Star-Lord T'Challa. Um, I think it might just be, for me, he has the most iconic voice of all the uh, all of our heroes. Yeah, I had Bozeman as my pick here as well, although I gave an honorable mention to Chris Hemsworth because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, you guys both already mentioned party thor being polarizing i'm on the side of finding party thor to be a very entertaining ridiculous stupid episode but i love it um so i i enjoyed hemsworth getting a chance to just be a little wacky with that so i did enjoy his performance but to your point about chadwick boseman yeah the some of the lines that he that he reads here in this even though it's it's not attached to his person on the screen there's still that power and that resonance and especially knowing um you know knowing his story so he absolutely uh stood out along with uh, talking about party thor i think mine and al's uh disagreement is i like watching movies that are so bad they're hilarious or just that (laughs) make me laugh and al i know is not going to waste his time on a movie he doesn't think is going to be good (laughs) <laughs> so, so i'm not saying party thor was bad because i thought it had really, really great parts but also i can just enjoy something without looking for the higher meaning sometimes <laughs> which i know i'm on the wrong podcast for that but <laughs> no no i'm 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 actually aligned with you there i liked shutting off my brain and and uh mm-hmm. enjoying party thor <laughs> okay now i feel like i should defend myself just a little uh please do before we leave this tangent uh i enjoyed the episode it was a fun episode i think my dislike of it was i couldn't turn off my analyzing marvel stuff uh part of my brain and i just kept thinking well hold on how how did this happen well how did this okay so many what ifs i know that it's been like i don't know 1500 years i think is how old thor says he is Mm -hmm. so okay so he's partied a lot but i 
I get some some of these other characters showing up just felt like too much, and 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 that was that was what what did it for me. But the the jokes and everything in there was fun. <laughs> it was a fun watch. You're definitely not not alone in uh, not being a huge fan of the episode. So I hear where you're coming from for sure. Al just doesn't like fun. I know. Oh no. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Sound like my wife. Okay. That's well that yeah, that's the kind of thing that you can say to your spouse or to your podcast co-host. Hey, hey buddy, we've been friends. We've been friends longer than you've been with your wife. So I can say it too. There you go. All right, that's fair. <laughs> All right. Our next category is best voice performance from a non-original actor in the role. And we won't make you go first again, Al. Tony, you can go first on this one. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Ross Marquand as Ultron. Um, he just brought this menace that I actually was think was uh, lacking with the original um, portrayal of Ultron. Also, Ross Marquand, uh, for those who don't know, back when I was still watching The Walking Dead before my zombie burnt out, he was a <laughs> character on that. But he was also the voice of Red Skull in um, Endgame and Infinity War. So I think he might be the go-to villain replacement if they can't get the original guy back. <laughs> he was great. Al, who was yours? Um, so this was tough. So there, there were two characters where uh, this was, was kind of similar. And so I, I rewatched a little bit of both of them just, just to see, just to like decide who I thought did a better, slightly better. Um, and in, in the end, I just kind of flipped a coin. So I will have to say in the uh, Avengers All Die episode, uh, Mark Ruffalo playing Bruce Banner. That's fair because it was <laughs> Edward Norton at the time. That's really clever. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> the other one That's would have been Don Cheadle as Rhodey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. <laughs> Speaking of, I, this is not a category we have here, but one of the more uncanny aspects of the show for me were some of the, some of the animations of the characters when they maybe tried a little bit too hard to make it look like the actor and it didn't quite work. And Bruce Banner was one for me where it was clearly meant to look like Mark Ruffalo's banner mm-hmm. to distinguish it from the Edward Norton banner, but it didn't look quite enough like <laughs> Mark Ruffalo, <laughs> but it had Mark Ruffalo's <laughs> voice. It was a little weird for me, a little weird for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I love how they added the five o'clock shadow that he always has his banner yeah. on his character model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he's had so much um, uncanny Valley. Yeah. in the MCU, right? Because he has this and then um the Hulk looks like him a little bit more and more yeah. as time goes on <laughs> in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, Ruffalo, fantastic actor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um my pick for non-original actor in the role is is like Belle as Natasha and I already spoke about how I really connected with her character in episodes eight and nine. Um, when I first saw episode three at first it was a little jarring. I mean, Scarlett Johansson is one of those yeah. people who has such a distinct voice. Uh, everything about Scarlett Johansson is just so striking. And so to mm-hmm. hear Natasha with not Scarlett Johansson's voice at first was like a little bit, Oh, what's this? And um, at first I wasn't sure. I was like, Oh, it's like, is she trying to sound like Scarlett or, or what is it? But then hearing more and more of her um, as the series went on, especially in episode eight and nine, I thought that she just nailed Natasha and it wasn't about trying to sound like Scarlett or not, even though at some points I think she sounded kind of close to, to Scarlett's performance, but I, I just thought she nailed it. So really, really enjoyed her. 
Yeah, I think because I felt the same way about uh, Lake Bell's performance, how at the beginning it was a little off-putting. The first time we see her, she's quoting lines from Iron Man 2. Yeah. So I feel like for me, it was, I know exactly how those lines should have played. Yes. Um, I had the same <laughs> problem with um, the actor who played uh, Tony Stark whenever he quoted something that Tony said. Uh, like his press conference, he used the exact same line I saw. Right. Um soldiers armed to protect us uh, getting killed or what i can't remember the line but he did the exact same line as tony and that threw me off as well yeah overall i also thought that he was he was good but yeah hearing i am iron man sounded very strange um when he had mm-hmm. to do that line uh with the snap didn't didn't oh, yeah. quite didn't quite land uh, one voice dishonorable mention i want to mention yes um uh Michael B. Jordan's uh, yelling of Wakanda forever bugs me every time because he paused between Wakanda and forever. <laughs> he said like three times. I have to go back and catch that it. one. Oh yeah, that that one got me too. Like everything else that he said, like was good. Like because he he's such a good actor, but for some reason when he does that, it, it's like he like he didn't want to yell. Like <laughs> like he had someone in the next room and he didn't like they were half asleep or. And he didn't want to bother them or something. Every time it's it Wakanda forever. I was just like, <laughs> I'd be suspicious that he's not on Wakanda's side if I were in the Dora Milaje. He's like, he's not committing to the, the yell. Not at all. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> all right. Next category is best action sequence. And I haven't gone first yet, so I'll go first. There were a couple here uh, that I really enjoyed. I think my top pick is Thor and Captain Marvel fighting at Stonehenge and traveling by map as the Muppets do, like <laughs> punching each other <laughs> across the map. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, it was cool to see. I think one of you mentioned this earlier to see Thor and Captain Marvel fight. Probably not something that we are going to see in live action. I don't know. So it was it was cool to, to see that here. Yeah, I'm just going to spoil it. That's also my pick. Cool. Um, I knew that I loved the episode as soon as we saw the maps with like France written on it, (laughs) (laughs) but just the over the top of those two characters, um, fighting is, I don't think we've seen something that big in the MCU yet, like in live action. So just seeing it here is like, Oh, this is incredible. I can't wait until inevitably we get to something like this in live action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Al going to guess that that's not your choice. (laughs) uh it is not you know it it was actually hard to think of an action sequence uh just because i feel like uh, on the animation side i i don't get into it as much um but uh i i after thinking about it for a while i think the one that i decided for me was probably my my absolute favorite would be uh the the first time that we see both Natasha and uh, Clint fighting a bunch of Ultron robots in uh, episode eight, because it's just it's just two Avengers killing a ton of robots. How is that not fun? I mean, it was fun the first time I saw it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but now there's a cloak of, of invisibility and a metal oh, yeah. arm on Clint. Yeah. And Natasha mm-hmm. gets a shield in that episode. Yeah, I, I liked that a lot, too, the opening of uh, of episode eight. And I also liked the Captain Carter montage in the first episode where she's fighting with, like, the mm-hmm. 1940s-style music. I liked that a lot, too. And uh, mm-hmm. the zombie Scarlet Witch and um, the Hulk. Sorry, it took me That's a second. That's a fight I wish we saw more of, Yeah, honestly. That was like, come on. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember at all. Like, we don't see an end to that fight, do we? I can make the assumption there? that Scarlet Witch won because she shows up in the last episode. Yeah, and that's a pile true. of zombies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> all right. So we have, we have three more. So I like to... <laughs> I call this category best Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen moment, also known as an Easter egg <laughs> or something like that. Uh, what do you have, Tony? Um, this is hard. If you guys listen to my podcast, I love the Easter eggs. And it's like I had to pick one. I actually <laughs> wrote down three. So um, <laughs> I'll pick out the one I'm sure neither of you guys have. Is have you guys ever heard of Kirby the Kirby Crackle or Kirby Dots? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. In the comics, um, starting with Jack Kirby, but they continue to when a character gets like uh, the power cosmic is what they call it, which are so powerful. Um, their powers look like these little circles, these little dots. And when Ultron got all the Infinity Stones, and when he fought. Um, uh, the Watcher, the Watcher had too, their powers came in these little circly dots, these curvy crackles. Oh. And I was like, that's a perfect reference to uh, Jack Kirby's art style. I was like shocked that they put that in there. That's really, really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely seen that before. And I like, I kind of noticed it um, in, in these episodes, but uh, did not know it had a name or that that's, that was like the, just the thing that they do. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it could be a dance craze, the Kirby Crackle. <laughs> <laughs> what was your What was your choice, Al? Uh, so it would have to be, uh, I guess, during the second episode when uh, the Collector is fighting T'Challa Star-Lord and uh, we see some of the Collector's weapons. Uh, so he has some things like Captain America's shield. So I, I guess in that universe, maybe Cap died? or something or someone somehow otherwise got the shield. Um, you know, that's just one of those things that leads to those questions too. Right. Uh, he also had, um, Hela's headdress in the, in there. Um, those are the only two I remember. I didn't go back. Like I meant to, uh, to rewatch. Also Mjolnir was in there. Oh, that's right. How did he move it? You think he put it in like an elevator? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So before I share mine, because I kind of cheated in this category, I, I want to hear your honorable mentions there, Tony. All right. Um, in uh, the collector's uh, spaceship room, where we see uh, the Wakandan um, shuttle, we also have an X-Wing fighter in the background. Oh. And, oh. Yeah. Any call out to Star Wars I'm excited about. Very cool. <laughs> and uh, in uh, the Captain Carter episode... Uh, the person, his name is Colonel Flynn, uh, is the guy who kind of was the antagonist to Captain Carter in the Mm -hmm. SSR, um, saying you're lucky to be in the room, all that stuff. Uh, he's actually reprising his role from the captain, from the agent Carter one shot who he plays her supervisor in the SSR who doesn't believe that she should do field work. Who oh. she gets proven wrong, he gets proven wrong, and then embarrassingly uh, to him gets uh, a call from Howard Stark that he needs Peggy to start Shield. So it's like 
that's great connections back to these one shots we're covering. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So I said I cheated in this category. And what I mean by that is that I didn't necessarily pick like an, an Easter egg. I definitely picked according to when I was sitting and watching a particular episode. And I had a lot of Leo DiCaprio pointing at the screen moments, which was the Party Thor episode, <laughs> um, which we've ended up talking about more than I than I had anticipated. So sorry about that, Um, But there were a lot of little things okay. in that in that episode that I was just like, huh, that's clever. Or, you know, this or that. So like rocket being in the sink and and you know calling him mm-hmm. rabbit and the magic and science tattoos i thought that was very delightful and um rumlo like what the heck was <laughs> rumlo doing there <laughs> more of a cameo than an easter egg but um rumlo and then also the grandmaster and topaz <laughs> and just like grandmaster talking to the to-, to topaz in this episode it just made me laugh so those were kind of my moments from uh from barney thor <laughs> <laughs> I, I was surprised Rum- how often rumlo was in the show yeah <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and the original actor did the voice too, right? Yeah. Yeah, Frank Grillo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that's a maybe that's a hint toward I don't know, some maybe we'll see more of him moving forward, which kind of brings us to the category best premise for a spin-off. And there was news that came out that there was the the plan for a T'Challa Star-Lord spin-off uh before, of course, Chadwick's passing, which is which is sad to think of because I think a T'Challa Star Lord spinoff absolutely would have worked to see the adventures of that character. Um, what other spinoffs could we see? So not necessarily just all right, where's this going to pick up in season two, but could we do an entire series uh, following this one particular world? What do you think, Al? Oh, uh, so. I would absolutely love to see um, the continuation of the 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 what if um, Earth lost its mightiest heroes, where all the Avengers died. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right picking up basically right after uh, well, episode nine when uh, Natasha joins that world. Um, this is a world, a, an Earth at least that's completely transformed after like essentially already being taken over by Asgard, and we can assume uh, then beaten. Um, the Avengers have two captains on the team, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. America and Marvel. Um, Mjolnir is still somewhere on Earth. So maybe Steve can p- wield Mjolnir and he just mm-hmm. kind of starts using that to fight uh, fight the Asgardians. Maybe that, maybe he does that and then the other Asgardians are like, oh, yeah, we're not fighting you. We're, we're done. Uh, I'll, I'll see you. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, unless Loki killed him too, Agent Coulson would still be alive and kicking. That'd yeah. be great. Uh, and then this Natasha, because she's technically from their future, uh, would have some information about Hydra being inside of S.H.I.E.L.D. Great point. And that's true. I would watch that for sure. <laughs> Al, I really appreciate it because I was between two episodes and that was one of them. So I'll go with the other one. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with a comics called The Exiles? No. No, I've, I've seen the title. Is Are, are they mutants? Um, well, in the comics, they are mostly a X-Men heavy team, but they are um, characters from orphaned from other dimensions who team up and fight uh, battles on different worlds to save different worlds. Cool. Hmm. If we could get like a team like uh, Strange Supreme and uh, what I call Red Guardian Natasha and other ones who are like the last remaining members of their worlds, um, maybe being the new Avengers and going from world to world would be interesting. 
Very cool. Mm -hmm. So for this best premise premise for a spinoff category, (laughs) I kind of like first thought about the one that I wouldn't want, and that is zombies. And that is not, Mm -hmm. I know, Tony, you were saying you didn't really like the zombies episode. I did. I actually really enjoyed the zombies episode. It's in my my top five uh, episodes of what if, but it's, it's done for me. Right. So I was thinking to myself, Oh, what I want to see more of the zombies world. Yes. In that I, I liked the animation of it and I thought it was cool. Liked the team up of the characters in that episode, but I don't think it could sustain a sequel because, or a, a spinoff, I should say, because they, like they died, right? Like, like <laughs> most of the characters died, the zombie versions yeah. of them died. Like there's not really much you could do with that. So even though I enjoyed that episode and in theory would like to see more of Marvel zombies, I just, I don't, not that anybody's trying to do a spinoff based on it, but if, if anybody asked my opinion, I don't know if a spinoff on that would really work. Um, so again, I keep cheating on these categories, but one that I do think would work and I know we're going to see, we're going to see the story pick up in season two, but I think it could warrant its own spinoff would be Captain Carter and the adventures mm-hmm. of Captain Carter and then potentially Winter Soldier Steve. I think that that would be fantastic and I would love to see more of that than we would necessarily just get in a season two, you know, episode or so. So, uh, so yeah, I think Captain Carter would be my choice for a spinoff. I think Captain Carter is my number one choice to bring in the man to you. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I'd agree with that, too. All right. And then that brings us to our last uh, superlative uh, for the night, which is best episode overall. Um, So I'll start on this one. My favorite episode overall was episode eight. What if Ultron won? I spoke about this in in my previous episode. And when I was on Trey and Jude's show on MC, you need to know. I just was hooked from the very beginning of it. Loved Entering the episode, seeing Natasha and Clint as these last human survivors, last hope, fighting Ultron. Loved the dynamic between the two of them. Loved seeing this version of Ultron. And it really mm-hmm. felt like this was bringing, bringing up the stakes for What If uh, as, a, as a whole. And even a lot of the other episodes that I like, there were moments in the episode that didn't really land for me. But episode eight, I, everything really worked for me beginning to end. So yeah. episode eight's my my top favorite. That was very close to being my top one. Um, I did really enjoy that. I, as I said earlier, I love this version of Ultron. Um, I, I honestly wish he didn't get defeated again <laughs> and we'd have Ultron again. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll see. They'll probably bring it back somehow eventually. Well, I- infinite universes, right? I mean, there That's has true. to be a handful of them where he won. Yeah, That's true. So what did what did edge it out for you then, Tony? Um, uh, mine was what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Mm. Um, it's got a couple of my favorite things. We already talked about uh, my love of the fall of the hero arc, uh, but also I am a huge sucker for time travel, and this had a lot of time travel. Um, it actually took a huge plot point of. Um, not a well-loved time travel movie, but one I watched a lot in my teenage years was the like 2001 remake of The Time Machine, hmm. uh, where in that one, uh, the main character, played by Guy Pierce, goes back in time to, to save his uh, fiance, played by Rachel McAdams, and she dies repeatedly. <laughs> 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 um, also, 
this is the first interaction between a character in the story and the watcher. And that really made me sit up and take notice yeah. of this episode. So yeah, just all those things together. I just, I really enjoyed it. And we got a cool battle between the strangers with, uh, I guess, what, it's not Hydra strange. Chimera strange is what I called him <laughs> when he was all messed up. <laughs> so I, I, I go back and forth on either the first one with Captain Carter or the last one, the, the adventures one. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think on our show MCU rewind, uh, like within the past two weeks, we had our, um, our, uh, our what little, if episode. Yeah. Our, our what yeah. if episode basically. <laughs> um, and I, I think we, we said, which one? And I, I think basically, I think I've changed mine since then. So I, I kind of keep going back and forth. So right now, uh, my my favorite overall was the first one with Captain Carter because everything with it made perfect sense. It all had a logical progression. Um, the extra sci-fi type of bits that were thrown in there again made sense because they they got the uh, cosmic cube earlier, and as a result. Uh, they were able to supercharge this Hydra stomper, I guess. So like mm-hmm. that, that all makes sense. That works. I like that. <laughs> I am curious because I wrote down a couple of honorable mentions and I think my honorable mentions episodes three and five are the ones that Tony <laughs> listed as his least favorites. <laughs> Al, what were your least favorites? Ooh. Uh, so well, the zombies, um, definitely one of my least favorites, just because, again, zombies, I mean, just like Tony said, you know, zombies are are done a lot. Uh, I have read some of the Marvel Zombies comics, okay. and I, I, I kind of feel like it's, uh, I don't know, like so many of them die. And then and, and then what? Right. Like if we were to get uh, just like you were asking, right, if we if we go on and get a season two. You know, we can probably make a couple of assumptions of what would happen with, uh, you know, maybe finding a cure and then curing some of them. But a lot of these characters died. And and, and then what? And, and I, I don't know. Um, so it's it's one of those one of those kinds of things. Um, uh, trying to remember <laughs> uh, all of them. Uh, and then I, I guess the, the party Thor. Right. I, I kind of mentioned my reasons for disliking it earlier. It was just I could not turn off my mind set of the hey well what 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 else happened what what else um had to happen to reach this this area Mm yeah and unfortunately i had that exact same mindset with the second episode with uh uh star lord t'challa because same thing there there was a lot of stuff that felt like it it changed in a way that we don't no, like we have so many questions um especially the the kind of thing that i brought up earlier with the collector and, and his weapons that he had that that we saw that kind of stuff yeah yeah it's it's interesting for me like some of my low points in this journey of watching the series week to week don't necessarily line up with what upon reflection are my least favorite episodes so like for example Mm -hmm. i didn't love the doctor strange episode on first watch now having watched the whole series i have a better appreciation for it the one that maybe if I had to pick a least favorite, I might say that it would would have been the Killmonger episode, which I think there's also strengths to the Killmonger episode. And I love Michael B. Jordan. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually harder than I anticipated to kind of pinpoint uh, a least favorite. Um, 
and but then yeah also thinking about how much i loved episodes eight and nine made seeing how everything connected in the end made something like the zombies episode which i enjoyed as a one-off not as consequential to the season as a whole so then that kind of knocks it down a few rungs for me so Continuing, I, I imagine that as time goes on and as I rewatch this show, my my ideas on it will will change, especially as we see how this series fits in with the rest of Phase 4 or, or the MCU moving forward. So before we wrap up here tonight, any last thoughts on either of your minds Related to something that you are hoping to see in season two or related to how this series will kind of uh, play a role as the MCU moves forward? Well, looking forward to season two, uh, two things I'd love to see. Uh, one, I think, is a lot less likely. Uh, the one that I hope to see that I think is more likely is possibly the influence of Kang the Conqueror mm-hmm. on the multiverse, especially if this starts airing after Quantumania. I think as another being that we know conquered the multiverse, that will be a huge red flag when he starts popping up for the Watcher. And maybe it will motivate him to interact with the universes again. Um, The one thing that I don't think they're going to do, but I would love to see, is instead of doing individual episodes, possible with story arcs, like two or three episodes in a universe, Mm. instead of one and we can get a little more fleshed out. That's a great point. Yeah, I, uh, for season two, I, I'm kind of hoping um, to get more of an explanation of of the Watcher. Like, what are what are his powers, kind of thing. Like, why is he doing what he's doing? Why can't he uh, uh, interfere? Um, you know that that, that kind of stuff. How many other Watchers are there? Is he the the only one? Um, we know of two others, <laughs> or at least one other, because. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. They're talking to Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but then again, they were talking to him, or was he? I, I don't know. They seem to be doing things very differently from this watcher, right? He's just hiding in some pocket middle dimension, looking out into the infinite worlds. So I'm just really curious how how that works out, like what they say in the MCU his his powers are and kind of mm-hmm. how that works. So you know, just flesh him out as a character, uh, but also kind of start to explain to us because I, I think one of the the problems that I had a little bit with this from just a, a canon's perspective is, you know, we got a lot of um, stuff about multiple storylines and, and everything within within the Loki TV series. And then when that series ended, we found out, okay, well, now there's a ton of different timelines. So so now the Watchers exist? Did they not exist before? What was the... You know, how, how do those two things fit together? Because they feel like they're very mutually exclusive. That's a big question, Mark, moving forward. And there's definitely... you know, We were kind of already mentioned it, but one of my other big question marks is the implications for the Watchers' decision in Episode 9 to not only, as the title suggests, break his oath, but then to also move the Natasha character from one universe into another. So that's Mm going to be kind of some big Mm -hmm. things on my mind as we see the rest of, of phase four and moving forward in the MCU and Spider-Man no way home and multiverse of madness and kind of thinking about some of the, some of the lessons that what if is teaching the audience in terms of what the rules are. Uh, So I'm, I'm kind of looking to this show as, as establishing what some of these rules or or precedents might be 
So I want to thank both of you so much for joining me today to talk about what if. Before we go, can you please remind people where they can find you and your podcast if they would like to hear more from you guys on MCU Rewind? Yeah, you can find us on uh, probably whatever podcast app uh, catcher you are listening to this on. Um, you can also find us on our website, uh, mcurewind.com, and on Twitter at mcu underscore rewind. As we said earlier, we're covering Inhumans, but don't let that deter you. We have over 230 episodes before that, and we're covering um, uh, Thor Ragnarok next month. So tune in. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much again. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Anytime, TK. Anytime. If you enjoyed this conversation about what if, you can follow the podcast at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow at Pender Illustrations on Instagram. Music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on Bandcamp. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for a conversation with friend Daniel in which we're once again talking MCU top fives, but this time from a little bit of a different lens. Mm-hmm.